0: turn this up to high. They say that this space can make you, like, people go crazy. I, that's not really true, but I think I could see why some people would um, not want to be in here for a long time. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura. A celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going to a sleepy residential street in Minneapolis to experience the Orfield Anechoic Chamber, a room inside another room, inside a concrete bunker, inside a laboratory. A room once known as the quietest room on earth. After this... along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail from strenuous to wheelchair-accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit traveltexas.com/slash/get-your-own to get the only trip to Texas that matters—yours. So. I'm here at Orfield Labs. Uh, It is in, what neighborhood are we in? Seward? Seward neighborhood of Minneapolis? What neighborhood are we in? Hang on. I was visiting Minneapolis for a month and I knew while I was there, I wanted to come visit the Orfield Labs, which is in fact in the Seward neighborhood. It's this unassuming, ivy-covered building and I've actually been to once before to experience the world's quietest room. Technically, since I've been there, it's actually been surpassed by another anechoic chamber, but for a whole set of complicated reasons I'm not going to go into, it's probably still the quietest room on the planet. Or at least, it's definitely one of them. Anyway, I wanted to visit it again. But I was also interested in the history of the space. Because for a building known for having one of the quietest rooms on Earth, the place we're visiting today actually has an incredible acoustic history. In the late 1960s and 70s, it housed a recording studio called Sound 80, where artists like Bob Dylan, Cat Stevens, and Prince recorded some of their most iconic work. Besides that, it was also home to
1: one of the first digital recording studios in the world. They were recording Cat Stevens' Last American album, and I sat in on the recordings. That's Steve Orfield,
0: Back then, Steve Orfield was working as an architecture consultant specializing in acoustics and lighting. And because of his work in sound, he enjoyed a front-row seat to those famous recordings. Steve worked with Sound80 for a while, but eventually Sound80 folded. And in the early 1990s, Steve bought the building and set up his own lab to research sound and other sensory experiences. Steve's company, Orfield Laboratories, uses that research to advise clients on building and product design. They've been pioneers in something called psychological
1: acoustics. Acoustics is the sound the product makes. Mm -hmm. Psychological acoustics is, how do you feel and what do you believe as a result of hearing that sound? Mm. When you listen to a Harley, does it sound powerful? Mm -hmm. And if so, why? Mm -hmm. Does it sound exciting, and if so, why? And, And what's the demographic? that believes that.
0: Orfield Labs has four separate studios, each with a unique acoustic setup. They can use these rooms to measure noise levels, sound quality, and other sonic characteristics of different products. So there's this super quiet room, known as the anechoic chamber, which eliminates echoes. But just down the hall, there's its sonic opposite, a giant room designed specifically to reverberate
1: sound. Yeah, it's it's called a perfectly diffuse room. Okay. Okay. So there are two extremes in acoustics. Yeah. There's the perfectly diffuse use, which is 99 point something reflective. There's the perfectly absorbent, like the anechoic chamber, mm. which has no reflection.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. The perfectly diffuse room is covered in hard reflective surfaces. Hanging from the ceiling above us are these big curved metal panels. And with nothing to absorb the sound, Anything you say or do creates these magnificent echoes. All right, I'm going to go in the corner and scream, and I'm going to sort of point the microphone behind me. Ah! This is a cool space. It's fun to be in here. Next on the tour, and kind of the main attraction, for me at least, is the world's quietest room. And let me tell you, it looks incredible. Every single wall, including the floor and ceiling, is lined with these big foam wedges. It has a kind of almost—I um, don't know. It looks like maybe you're entering some some kind of devious uh, dungeon of some sort. And then, and then the the floor itself is not really the floor. It's floating in the middle, kind of the middle of the space. It's on kind of a almost on a springy. Uh, You know, when you walk, the floor kind of bounces a little bit below you. It's almost like walking on a trampoline. It's so that people can walk into the middle of the room without stepping on the wedges below. And the wedges on the walls and floor and ceiling, they're designed specifically to absorb and deaden sound waves. On the other side of the walls, there's another set of walls. And outside of those walls, there's 12 inches of concrete. No sound gets in or out. I asked Steve to give me a few minutes alone, just me and the wedges. Okay, Steve is going to shut me in the world's quietest room, in the chamber, uh, and I'm going to spend some time in here. Okay, and I'll be back in 10. Okay. Okay, he's shutting the door. (laughs) And light goes off. (laughs) Oh, man. It's a funny thing trying to record silence. I mean, it sounds great to record into the microphone here. (laughs) It's an amazing recording studio. Uh, But weird thing to try and capture. Let me see what happens if I point the microphone away from me and shout. Hey! Hey! Yeah, you can't really... Oh, man. No one would save me. <laughs> no one would save me if I was in trouble in here. Because <laughs> they can't hear me on the outside. That's for dang sure. Hmm. If you sit in here for long enough, you can start to hear, because you can't hear anything else, so you start to hear the sounds of your body really distinctly. I'm going to see if I can kind of tune into that that sensation. I got the mic turned pretty much all the way up. I can hear my heartbeat pretty clearly. Once you're in here, it feels like you've never been in a quiet space in your entire life. It's crazy. It's like you're suddenly aware of how loud every space you're in normally is and the kind of power of a quiet space and tuning into that that interior soundscape that you don't normally is drowned out by the other sounds that's the sound of me rubbing my eye of your own ears. I don't know if I'm hearing like the, my blood rushing. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I mean, they say that this space can make you like people go crazy. It's not really true, but I think I could see why some people would um, not want to be in here for a long time. Before I could really put that idea to the test, though, Steve came back and let me out. Hello again. That was great. That was great. I, uh, did you fall asleep? No, I did not fall asleep. But I definitely felt the strange and profound effects of being in a truly quiet space, both the good and the bad. I could see why it would bother some people after a certain amount of time. You know, I mean, I don't think, I mean, just to clear up a, a long-held myth, are people regularly going crazy in this room? No, but they never did. Yeah, they never did. But I could see how this would, after enough time, maybe start to bother some people because it's a strange
1: sensation. You're really tuning into the sounds of your own body. Originally, sensory deprivation became an interesting topic back when it was being used by the military in the '20s for for um, you know putting people under stress yeah. intentionally. And so, there's a, I, I found a, a seminar with many, many pieces in it that talked about all the different experiments they were doing on students to show just what you could cause in terms of havoc by containing people.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess that does get to this idea that, that you know, with enough time deprived of, of sort of normal background sensation, it can be a very, it can start to become a, an alarming experience. Our surroundings can have an incredible impact on our mental state. The subtle effects of the quality of the light, the background hum of machines, they all impact us. And Steve thinks we need to design spaces with that in mind.
1: You always design for the people who can't hear as well, can't see as well, can't do this, can't do that. So you you design what we've coined the term as as perceptually quiet spaces. So in all the areas in acoustics, lighting, daylighting, thermal comfort, indoor air quality, we want quiet spaces. And if we do that in a dementia home... People act 10 years younger. People who who don't talk, start talking. Uh, People who don't engage, start engaging. If we take an an autistic clinic and we design it with perceptual quiet, everybody's much more peaceful. Some of the people who will be raving the most are the psychologists and therapists because it's so peaceful for them. Peace and quiet can be hard for many of us to come by these days. The kids, the
0: phone, construction down the street, And if we think about building more quiet into our lives, uh, we think about downloading a meditation app or scheduling a camping trip out to the woods. But Steve's point is that we can literally build a quieter life. Quiet can be engineered. Quiet can be
1: architectural. It can be structural. The thing that everybody forgets in design is the only thing we have is the sensory experience. There's no other connection we have to the world.
0: Thanks so much to Steve Orfield for taking us around the lab. Steve is currently in the process of turning Orfield Labs into a nonprofit so that the work can continue long into the future. And special thanks to Maddie Weinberg for all her work on this episode. Our podcast is a co production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes
1: Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales. Chilenya Onike Maddie Weinberg Camille Mojica Tracy Samuelson
0: John Delore Peter Clowney Our technical director is Casey Holford Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Chris Naka And I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world.
1: Witness Docs from Stitcher.